My next guest is the Talent Acquisition Coordinator for Canucks Sports and Entertainment. Please welcome Jenna Buzzins. Jenna, thank you for doing this, and I'm really excited for this. Thanks, Vince. Uh, yeah, thank you for connecting with me and having me on. I'm really happy to be a part of your project. Awesome. So, Jenna, in your role as Talent Acquisition Coordinator, what are your responsibilities or tasks? Yeah, so my role does look a bit different these days as our operations have changed quite a bit um, over the course of the pandemic. So I'll focus a bit more on my role prior to that, I guess. Um, So my main responsibilities revolve around recruitment, hiring, and onboarding of our head office staff. Um, So that includes everything from I work closely with the hiring managers for those roles, um, drafting job descriptions and job postings, to reviewing the applications that we get, interviewing candidates, and making job offers. And then once a new employee has been hired, I facilitate their onboarding process, and that encompasses basically everything they would need to get set up and to start their new job successfully. Uh, We actually revamped our onboarding program this season. So that was exciting to work on and be a part of. So now all of our new hires in the office, they go through this program and they're given, you know, tours of the office, behind the scenes of the arena, and they meet with every other department in the organization so that they can really learn about what each of the departments do and how all the departments interact and work together. And that was an important piece for us because um, sometimes when you're coming from outside of the sports industry to a sports team, it can be a little bit complicated how it all works behind the scenes. So really give them that sense of what's going on. And then during the season, I also spend a lot of time on our Top Prospects internship program. I believe we're going to touch on that a bit more later. And I work on some other things as well. I administer our employees' benefits. Um, I do offboarding when an employee leaves the organization and work on other, you know, projects related to human resources as they come up. The theme so far, Jenna, with all these interviews have been uh, no day is the same. And I guess (laughs) in your role, because it's so unique, that is like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I get asked all the time when I'm doing job interviews and meeting with candidates and whatnot. Oh, what does a typical day look like um, in your position or at the company? And I always tell people that in the sports industry, there is no typical day. You've probably heard this in your other interviews as well. Um, But yeah, it is just a really fast paced industry where things can, you know, come at you very quickly. So you always have to be prepared to adjust and reprioritize on the fly. I can only imagine, Jenna. And I guess sports is also not nine to five, which I've been learning throughout the years. And I guess in your role, I guess it depends on game day and and such. Obviously, now with the pandemic, there's not any game. Um, (laughs) What does that look um, like for you? Yeah, my typical day has definitely changed a lot since the hockey season was paused. Um, So I can probably talk more again about how things looked before that. Um, So describing what my job looks like on a normal day-to-day basis. Um, I don't really, my role itself isn't really too affected by the games or the event schedule at the arena, but a lot of roles in our organization 
are very affected and have those very different hours. But I would say my days are normally about connecting with the hiring managers who currently have roles to fill and working with them to come up with a plan for that role in terms of the best way to recruit, what the interview process is going to look like, all of that, and then actioning that plan. And I also normally spend time reviewing applications that we've received, setting up interviews uh, with myself or the hiring managers and conducting those interviews. And I also do interact with employees in the office, not just candidates uh, for new roles on a daily basis. So I am normally fielding employees questions about could be anything at all uh, related to the workplace. So I could be answering questions about their benefits, their pay stubs. Uh, their vacation days or, you know, just different company policies. That's great to segue to this, Jenna, because a lot oh, of <laughs> a lot of students, current students listen to this or watch this. And what is your advice or recommendations on strategies for individuals to prepare for interviews? Yeah, I would say not just in the sports industry, but for any job interview, the number one key thing is preparation and, you know, all that being prepared ahead of time. And keeping in mind that when someone's interviewing you, they're always looking for a few key things, um, pretty much no matter what role it is. So those are number one, can you do the job? So do your skills line up with what the job requires? Will you do the job is the second one. So that's basically, are you motivated and does this fit in with your career goals and plans? Uh, The third one is if you're a fit, so normally meaning culturally, both with the immediate team for the role you're applying for and the company as a whole. And the last one would be, do you have the necessary soft skills to do the job? So that would be things like interpersonal and communication skills and decision making. Um, so trying not to go on too long here, but so really making sure you're able to speak to all of these points. And I would say it's also really important to have specific examples to use to, you know, back these things up. So a good place to start with that is looking closely at the job description for the role you're applying for and look at what the responsibilities and the requirements of the role are, and then go from there. So I'll just say as an example, um, if the role says that you would be, you know, managing a team of employees or they're looking for someone with leadership skills, think of examples ahead of time from either work or school where you've been in a leadership or management role. And if you have those examples prepared ahead of time, that will make you feel less put on the spot and hopefully less nervous during the interview, since you won't have to be scrambling or racking your brain in the moment to come up with an answer to the questions that they're asking you. Um, Another thing I would say to prepare that's another important part of the interview is at the end, there's normally a chance where you get to ask the interviewer questions. And I always think that that's a really good chance to show how interested you are in the role. So having those questions prepared is really important. So you can do research ahead of time on the company and the role to try and, you know, maybe figure out some questions from there. Think about maybe asking what challenges um, is this role and the company as a whole facing? What's the employer looking for in in a successful candidate? Things like that. And then... Just to kind of wrap it up, um, I would say, you know, practice both your answers and these questions ahead of time. Maybe have a friend or family member ask you practice questions. And yeah, if you're prepared with all of those things, 
I think you should be good to go for your job interview. <laughs> Jenna, you make two great points. And one of them was research. The other one was preparing. Every job interview, well, before, I didn't search like the company and what they stand for and whatnot. But obviously now, trying to look for employment, you look mm-hmm. for you look for kind of those cultural things that you said before. I've been really trying to match my vision and my own philosophy to other organizations to see if they have relatively the same or similar or or different and because you want to be in a good environment and a great cultural organization. Yeah, that's a really good point too, is that it really is a two-way street in these interviews, which I think a lot of people, you know, get really nervous and don't really realize is that, yeah, the employer has to, you know, want to proceed with you and hiring you, but you also have to make sure for yourself that it's a good fit for you and the role aligns with what you are looking for in your career. And as you mentioned, you know, culturally and your values, does the organization's values line up with that as well? So yeah, it definitely goes both ways in the interview process. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a partnership. I always think yeah. it's like a partnership between the employee and the organization. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really great way of putting it. Let's move on to this, Jenna. So throughout an application process, what is considered a good resume or cover letter? Oh, yeah. I could talk for a long time about resumes and cover letters. Um, So I'll try to keep this brief for you and not go on too long. Um, And again, I would say this is probably applicable not just to the sports industry, but other industries as well. Um, The two probably main you know, quick resume formatting tips that I would give to everyone, regardless of what role they're applying for, is number one, most important, is make sure there are no errors or typos on your resume or cover letter. And if spelling or grammar isn't your forte or your biggest strength, have someone read it over before you submit it. And I know this probably sounds like common sense and almost silly to say, but you'd be surprised how many applications we receive with mistakes or, you know, glaring errors in them. So I really always want to drill that one home. And my second one is for another quick formatting tip is in general, I would say your resume should not be longer than two pages. A lot of the time recruiters and hiring managers aren't spending very long looking at each resume. Um, So you want to, you want them to be able to get a feel for your experience quickly and want to draw them in and make them want to keep reading. Um, And then I guess I'll delve a bit deeper into how to format work experience on your resume, because that's normally kind of the bulk of the resume. So I would really recommend tailoring your resume to each job you apply for. So it's the same as with the job interviews, review the job description and look at what they're really looking for, what skills and qualifications they want, and then try to highlight that on your resume. And I would also say to try and highlight accomplishments or achievements instead of just listing your regular job duties and to be specific and quantify these things where you can. So I'll say as an example, instead of just writing increased revenue on your resume, maybe try to change it to say increased revenues by X percentage in three months or something like that. Try to be as specific as possible. And Vince, you mentioned earlier um, when we were chatting that you have a lot of students and recent grads who are listening to your podcast. So I just want to say for those people who may not have as much work experience to put on their resume, 
it's totally fine, um, totally expected for someone in your position. And you can focus on other things on your resume instead and maybe seek more to your education or to any extracurriculars or sports you have participated in. And things like school projects, um, scholarships, those sort of things, those can be used to bolster your resume as well. Jenna, with formatting, I know a lot of schools have a specific template if it's either career zones or kind of departments like that. The thing that I've always heard is if you come from a certain school and you have that specific template, that organizations can recognize that template to recognize a school that the individual might have come from. Is Throughout the hiring process, can you tell, I guess, which school that person is applying to or whatnot? Um, I would say based on the resume template, I haven't personally experienced that a lot, um, but I would hope that they, you know, are speaking to their education on their resume as well. So we would get that information that way. But while you're mentioning templates, I will say what we do see a lot is the same templates over and over that are the ones you can find quite quickly online. Or for example, Microsoft Word has... Um, several templates that they offer, which are great, but we do see them a lot. So my recommendation is always, you can use that as a starting point, but then try to make it your own a little bit, um, just so hiring managers aren't seeing the same thing over and over and to make yourself stand out from the crowd a little bit. With the resume, Jenna, I know there's Mm -hmm. different ways to do them, as you mentioned, and sometimes there's like you could put work experience first or volunteer experience first. What would you recommend on the type of structure for a resume? Yeah, I think it really is a subjective thing and, you know, matter of preference and finding what works for everyone. But my personal favorite that I find is kind of, you know, easiest to read quickly when I'm going through, you know, maybe a lot of resumes for one role is to have the work experience before, you know, the volunteer experience and the education and all of that, because that really is normally the main piece that people are trying to highlight. And I also personally always prefer when it's in chronological order, but newest to oldest, because I don't necessarily need to spend a lot of time reading about maybe your serving job while you had in university, um, something that's maybe a bit older, just as an example. Um, so I would say putting your newest or most relevant work experience closer to the top um, and kind of working backwards in your career, that's normally quite an easy way for people to get a good feel of your work experience um, just at a quick glance. I guess I want to ask the same question for cover letter because there's a lot of ways to write a cover letter and and I guess what would be your suggestions for that? Yeah, I think for cover letters, they normally tend to follow kind of a similar format in terms of their, they're normally in that more formal business um, letter format with, you know, very clear introduction, a middle section talking about experience and a closing at the end. Um, The main key thing I would say for cover letters is to not repeat too much what you've said on your resume. Um, And even though if you're applying for multiple roles, this could be a lot of work, but I would also say tailoring your cover letter to each role or company that you're applying to, um, just to make it seem like you, you know, you are really interested in that role and you have put the time into thinking about this application. So again, it's, you know, doing research on the company and then you can use the cover letter 
to explain why you want to work for this company in particular and why your skills and experience make you a good fit for the particular role you're applying for. And you can also use your cover letter to explain a bit more about your backstory. Like, for example, how did you get into this industry or this field? Or do you have any connections to the company that you want them to know about? Like maybe you know someone who works there or they used to work there and they were the ones who told you about the role. Or maybe you worked for a competitor. So in my example, that could be another uh, NHL team or another sports team in Vancouver or a supplier. Um, So you have some understanding of what the company does and how the role works already. So you really want to include things like that that a hiring manager wouldn't see on your resume. I always find, Jenna, that cover letters are, um, I think, more difficult to write than resumes because resumes is often point form and it's kind of a summary of what you did in the position. But cover letters are a lot more detailed. And that's what I find with cover letters. They're, they're a lot more detailed. And if you don't have the detail, then you can't really express that story or um, those qualifications that you might want to write about. Exactly. Yeah, cover letters are hard to write for most people, I think, myself included, even though I look at so many of them every day. They're really tricky. And people ask me a lot, actually, if a cover letter is necessary or required, do they have to bother writing one? Because it is a lot of work. Um, And I always say that it depends on each job that you're applying for, but look really carefully at, normally it's an online application these days. And if there is a spot where you can upload a cover letter, even if they don't expressly say to, I would definitely always recommend putting in the time to do that anyways, because again, it's really showing your interest in the job and that you really care and you've really put the time into your application. Um, So I think it, even if it doesn't say a cover letter is required, if you're able to include one, I definitely think it does give people a leg up. That's a great point, Jennifer, because I, I'm often seeing job postings that say resumes required, and sometimes it mentions uh, to write a cover letter or not. And that's a great point that I guess if you really want the position to write one. Yeah, if it says that a if it explicitly says a cover letter is not necessary or to not include one, then don't because you do want to be following the employer's instructions. But if they are not explicitly saying, I would definitely include one if you're able to do so in the application process. Oh, that's great. So we kind of mm-hmm. went through the application process and the resume and cover letters and whatnot. So internship, that's a famous uh, topic, especially mm-hmm. for trying to get into the industry. What are some opportunities that you can share with viewers with internship programs within your organization, such as the top prospects program that you mentioned? Yeah, so that's our big internship program, the top prospects program, and it's very near and dear to my heart. And it's our new internship program that we started this past, uh, or I guess current again, since hockey's starting up again, but this hockey season. And we had 21 top prospects, we call them, or interns, placed in various departments across the organization. So, you know, sales, marketing, fan services, all different departments. And under the top prospects program, we hire students who are in their final year, so have one year remaining of university, or recent university graduates. And these are all eight-month full-time internships. And I should say that, I mean, subject to change, and we'll see what happens with uh, 
the pandemic and everything, but how we had it set up was their eight-month full-time internships that run from the beginning of September to the end of April, because that coincides well with our hockey and lacrosse seasons, because we uh, have the Vancouver Warriors as part of our uh, Connect Sports Entertainment family as well. And yeah, we put together a program where for the first week, all of our interns went through a week-long training camp, we called it, where they got a very complete in-depth orientation to the company and what the Top Prospects program is really all about and our expectations for them during their internship. And then after that, they were placed with their respective departments. And we also assigned them a mentor from another department who they met with regularly. So this mentor, for example, if you were a sales intern, could have been from the marketing department or from fan and community engagement. So a completely different department than what you're working in. And the point of this was to give each top prospect exposure to another department so they can learn more in depth about you know, the roles there and what they do and just give them another person who they could get advice from or could just be a sounding board for them. And um, kind of the final piece of the program that we really want to build out further for the next group of top prospects is um, giving them more opportunities to work on projects outside of their own departments. And so we started this a bit this year, but really want to expand on it for next season. And the goal of these projects is to give the interns a chance to explore other areas of interest within the company and see if there's any other type of roles that they may be interested in moving forward with in their careers. When I first saw the program released, Jenna, I was so impressed by it because I think a lot of organizations should be doing a prospects um, type of program to develop kind of the future leaders of sport. The top prospects program, is it just for individuals that are located in Vancouver or is it worldwide? Kind of how does that work? Yeah, we had people from all across Canada apply and be accepted to the program. Um, So we had, yeah, we did have quite a few from Vancouver and from other areas of BC. And then we also had top prospects from Alberta and Ontario. So yeah, it's open to anyone in Canada who's a recent uh, university graduate or going into their final year. And yeah, looking for those people who are interested in a career in the sports industry. And our goal is to give them a foot in the door into the industry because we know that sometimes that's the hardest part is just getting that first step, that first foot in the door and giving them a really in-depth behind the scenes look at, you know, what goes into making a professional sports team run and be successful. In the program, Jenna, does your organization help finding houses? And I know what, what, like it's, it's a bit different, but the OHL, they have like billet families. Uh, what does that kind of process look like for individuals that get accepted for the program? Yeah, I wouldn't say we have, you know, a set program or process for helping those people find housing um, or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, I definitely helped some of them, you know, just answering questions on a personal level, even, you know, what neighborhoods are close or can I access the arena quickly by transit, um, that sort of thing. And we connected a few of them ahead of time, a few of the top prospects who were moving from out of town um, so that they could potentially, you know, be, if they were looking for roommates, they could partner up with other top prospects. Um, so that those were a couple of the smaller things we did to help them, you know, get adjusted to life in Vancouver. A uh, high school teacher always told me, Jenna, that just I'm from Mississauga. And so she always used hmm. to say, don't just look at Mississauga, look at other places because 
then you limit yourself if you're only looking at one city or, or whatnot to do an internship and to gain experience. So that was one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got. Obviously now the pandemic, mm-hmm. I'm looking to jobs that are really, really far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say, especially in the sports industry, there's only so many sports teams. So yeah, a lot of I, a lot of people, especially those in smaller towns, if that's the industry that they want to be in and they don't have a professional sports team there, or maybe they only have one, so there's not that many opportunities. Yeah, it's definitely an industry where people uh, do move around and, you know, we get applications, not just for top prospects, but for all jobs of people, you know, in other cities at other sports teams. Um, yeah, so I think it's just part of the industry is, you know, there's only so many companies, only so many teams. So people do have to look elsewhere besides their hometowns. That's what I really noticed too, Jenna, that individuals in, in the sport industry are moving around a lot if they get promoted or if they see another job opening. Yeah, we we do see that as well. And like I said, yeah, we get applications from people at other sports teams, maybe looking to move into a management role or the next step in their careers. So definitely not something that's uncommon uh, in the industry for sure is movement between teams. And yeah, even within the Vancouver sports teams, you know, we have people uh, who work for us now who previously worked for other teams, such as our MLS team, the Whitecaps, and it goes vice versa too. Um, so we've had people over the years leave from the Canucks to go work with other teams in Vancouver as well. So yeah, you definitely do see a lot of movement in the industry. And I like programs like the Top Prospect Program, Jenna, and if it's either if it's a student council or, um, or even if you're just playing a sport, team um that network with people that that you're in with those could be friends for life yeah and i know that a lot of our interns did become very close friends so they have definitely developed for themselves um, a good network there but also the opportunity that they got to network so to speak within the company while they were here I think it was a really great opportunity for them um, because you never know what roles are going to open up within the company um, after your internship's over. And that was also part of our goal of creating this program was to build this pool of talent or as we like to call them, our off-ice prospects. And then when we do have job openings become available, we can draw from that talent pool of current or past interns. So if someone really succeeded in their internship um, and they've already had eight months of training and learning about the organization and how it works. So, I mean, that's who we want to fill these roles with uh, when we're able to, and yeah, help them further their careers in the industry as well. Oh, that's awesome. Jenna, so I, my final question for you is how are the Connect Sport and Entertainment Group helping the community during this challenging time? Yeah, so helping the community and, you know, the province of BC as a whole is one of the foundational pillars here at Connect Sports and Entertainment. So it's something we really wanted to continue while, even though some of our other regular operations are on pause. Um, And so the Connects for Kids Fund is obviously one of the big ways that we support our community. And one of the biggest ways that we raise money for the Connects for Kids Fund is through the 50-50 tickets that we sell at games. So this has been taken online and we've had, they're doing the fourth right now, but we've had three online raffles so far uh, to continue raising money for the fund. 
And this has helped the fund, has donated over $500,000 to COVID-19 relief around the province. So it was really great that we were able to, you know, continue that fundraising and continue being able to help in that way. Outside of the Connects for Kids Fund, we have a couple of other initiatives going on right now as well. Um, Something that my department, the Human Resources Department, has been working closely on is we've been working with the BC Care Providers Association. And they provide long-term care and home care around the province. And we were actually able to redeploy some of our event staff. So that's staff who works part-time at the games and concerts at Rogers Arena. So we've been able to redeploy some of them, since there's no events for them to work at right now, to work in care homes around the Lower Mainland. These care homes, um, especially right at the beginning of the pandemic, they were very much in need of extra helping hands. And it kept some of our event staff who um, weren't able to get shifts to the arena, um, keep them working as well. So it helped both sides. And in addition to both of those, our hospitality team, our food and beverage team has been doing a great job. They've been providing, I think it's 550 meals a day, four days a week to the Salvation Army to allow the Salvation Army to continue their lunch program for people in need throughout this time. That's great. Yeah. Jenna, can't thank you enough for doing this. Um, really great information here for aspiring students or sport fans, or as you mentioned throughout, like anyone who is applying to jobs or whatnot. All these great tips are, are really interesting. And can't thank you enough for doing this. And thank you for your time and all the best to you and your family. Thank you so much. All the best to you and your family as well. And that's it.